What if there was a way to be more aware of our thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations, and to have the power to respond to them in a more thoughtful way? Now, just imagine treating yourself with kindness and understanding, especially during difficult times. In this episode, you'll learn how both are possible by developing better mindfulness and self-compassion practices, and why doing so can make a big difference not only for you, but for generations to come. But first, this is the FitMess, where together, we learn to develop habits that help us live beyond our mental health struggles to create happier, healthier lives. He's Zach. He lives in the future with his anxiety. He's Jeremy, and he lives in the past with his depression. And we get together once a week in the present to share the obstacles we face and how we overcome them. So we literally just talked about self-compassion the other day, and clearly we're not the only ones who think that it's kind of a big deal. And this person that we're talking to today is kind of an expert in it, and he's talking about it. So like, we're not crazy. We're not in left field, are we? <laughs> it's very nice to not be alone in this uh, endeavor to become more self-compassionate, to help other people find that. And one of the things we talked about on that last episode was how mindfulness and meditation is such a powerful way to build that muscle, to build up that self-compassion, to develop that gap between external forces and the way we react to them. And when it comes to meditation, this guy, literally, his voice has been in my head for a year and a half. We're talking today to Afoso Jones-Cordy. He's one of the voices of the Balance Meditation app. And I know for me, the more that I stay on track and continue my meditation practice, the easier it is for me to not only have self-compassion, but compassion for others, right? Like when my kids are melting down, when the world is, seems out to get me, like all the stuff that just that life just throws at you, when you do take the time to meditate and make it part of your routine, all of that stuff, just, just that, that gap that I mentioned, it just gets bigger and bigger so that you have a, a larger perception of time to react appropriately to those external forces. See, I love that you like get that, that gap where your initial reaction is different. My initial reaction never changed. Really? But I have like, I have that interrupt. Like as soon as my initial reaction hits, I stop it and then I change it. It's the same, same end result, same end result. But in my head, when I see somebody do something stupid, my initial reaction is what a dumb and like, <laughs> and then I stop and I go, Oh, you know what? You know, some, maybe something's happening. Maybe this is happening. Maybe that's happening. Like it just that compassion for others. Right. Mm -hmm. And the compassion for me, like I still hear that voice. I still hear myself calling myself an asshole. And actually it's not my voice. It's my father's. So I just want to point out, it doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't completely stop. Sometimes it's still there. Oh you yeah. Can catch it. No, I, can stop it. I, if I ever get to a point where it completely stops, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that that level of enlightenment uh, exists for most human beings. I think that that is a, a level that I'll never experience, but like you said, having that ability to catch the narrative. And to me, that gap, it, it feels like eons. But, but I think it is, like you're saying, you'll hear that voice, you'll, that, that instinct, that reaction kicks in, and having the ability to pump the brakes and go, nope, we're going to do this differently. We're going to slow down. We're going to take a breath. We're going to change that voice. We're going to say something else. That gets easier the more that you sit in that silence or sit through a guided meditation to start reprogramming the way that your brain responds to all of these different situations. Quickly want to mention our sponsor, Athletic Greens. If you want to empty that overflowing cabinet full of vitamins and replace them with one great tasting drink, then order Athletic Greens now so you can not only give your body what it needs to thrive, but we'll give you a free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
The link to try it out is in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. So you and I have been talking about this for multiple episodes now, but I think we need to hear from somebody else who's a little bit more of an expert than we are. Fortunately, we have someone who fits the bill. His name is Ofosu Jones Cordy. He's the author of Love Your Amazing Self. He's a meditation teacher and a hip-hop musician who goes by the name of Born Eye. I started the conversation by just geeking out about having a real conversation with him after more than a year of hearing his voice in my head. I'm excited to talk about the book, which we will do in just a minute, but I'm super excited because I listen to you basically every single day of my life. The, the, the Balance <laughs> app has been a part of my oh, life wow. for like a year and a half. Either, either you or Leah help me fall asleep every night. It's the it's the last voice I hear at the end of every day. Wow. So I, if you don't mind, I just want to sort of ask you about the Balance app because it's sure. it's just been a, a big part of my life. And so wow. I, I want to tell people about it because I think it's one of those uh, meditation apps that I don't think people know enough about. And so I want to make sure people are where it exists and, and how it can help them. <laughs> wow, that is that is so awesome. I'm so happy to know that. Yeah, the Balance app, we, we've been around for uh, three going on four years, mm -hmm. so relatively new. And what we, I guess what the vision of Balance is, is to create meditations that are customized for whatever our users individual goals are. So Leah and I both record thousands of <laughs> meditation scenarios and options and paths, etc. So that when you engage with the app, the experience that you have is really a sp an experience that isn't cookie cutter. It's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. It's what are your goals? What are your needs? And how can we help you achieve them through the practice of mindfulness? And for me, as a meditation teacher, somebody who's been teaching this for close to 20 years now, I thought that balance was really special in that it understands that the, the, the journey of meditation, the journey of mindfulness is a very personal one. And to create something or to assume that people are going to all be able to fit into one format is short-sighted. So yeah, I, I, I really appreciate the vision and the mission of balance and, uh, and, and being a part of it and uh, being a part of the, the app itself, the podcast, well-balanced, uh, all of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy. I'm like over the moon that, uh, that you are enjoying the app and that it's showing up for you yeah. in a positive way. Seriously, I mean, it replaced like three other meditation apps that I either had or tried. And I just love that every time you listen to one, it's a little different, it's a little customized and, and there's different paths to go. It's just, it's amazing. So I'm just, I'm so glad that we can sort of share that message and, and let people know it exists. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. You, you mentioned that this journey sort of started for you about 20 years ago. You've been teaching this. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that, that origin story and how this became a big part of your life. Sure, sure. Well, I I learned about mindfulness and meditation from my mom, and she was on her own self care journey. Um, I don't think it was really called that back in the eighties, but um, <laughs> you know, she my my family's from Ghana in West Africa. I'm a first generation American. I I feel like if I'm putting myself in my mom's shoes, she's a new mom in a new country. She's looking for some kind of avenue for peace of mind. And she and I are very close. So as she was on her self-care, self-love journey, she took me along for the ride. And that's where I kind of was introduced to mindfulness, meditation, yoga, Buddhism, et cetera, through my mom. Fast forward 
several years later, when I was in college, my then girlfriend, now wife, by the time we got to my senior year, we were with child, <laughs> my first uh, child, my daughter, Sundara. And for, for some reason, the memories of my mom bringing me to meditation centers or temples, they all started to flood back. And I felt that perhaps this, this path is something that I should take up again in the process of becoming a, a new parent at such a young age. And then, but also it was more like perhaps this, this kid is going to need a dad who meditates, you know? So I'm not a hundred percent sure where it all came from, but I, I really did throw myself into my meditation practice. Interestingly enough, my, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law was also a mindfulness and meditation teacher. And so I got a good foundation in the practice from her as well and in my own personal study. So it, it, it became something that I was very passionate about. And, but at the same time, in the practice of it, I recognized how much anxiety and negative self-talk and yeah, how unpleasant my inner terrain had become almost imperceptibly. And so I, I, I struggled in my practice for a long time, but yeah, and, and, and those struggles really led me down the avenue of, uh, of, of creating a book like this, et cetera, mm -hmm. just to, uh, to encourage people to practice self-love and self-compassion from an earlier age because, uh, cause it can get tough as, as we get older, but yeah. you, we hadn't gotten to the book yet. That's kind of like, that's sort of the meditation origin story. Yeah. And I felt, I fell into teaching Again, just by happenstance, uh, I met a fellow meditation practitioner on the bus one day. He happened to be the teacher of a, a family meditation program through the Insight Meditation Community of Washington. It was something that I wanted to share with my family. So we would go to those monthly Sundays. And one day he was like, would you mind being a guest teacher in the class? And the rest is kind of history from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, from I never had any any ambition to be uh, a teacher or an educator it just kind of happened and yeah. uh, but it's been it's 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 been happening for two decades now so it's it's funny <laughs> it's funny how purpose tends tends to show up in our life whether we like it or yeah, not and it invites us absolutely. along right for sure for sure uh, i want to talk about the book love your amazing self and it sort of ties into what you were just talking about there the the first question i had about it uh, i loved in the beginning how you shared that you had a solid upbringing supportive family taught you yeah. about the importance of kindness and loving others but still found a, a hole, found something that you needed to work mm. on in terms of that self-love. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that, that struggle? Yeah, absolutely. As it happens in life, as we grow, our lives become more dynamic and the, the conflicts that we have with, with others and with ourselves become more, more detailed. <laughs> and I, my, my situation was no different. I'm very fortunate to have grown up, you know, two parent household and loving parents. But one thing that wasn't emphasized in my upbringing, by no fault of anybody, but I just don't think it was in the cultural lexicon at the time, was it's very important to take care of your own heart. It's very important to pour love into yourself because life is going to show up with massive challenges. And when it does, you've got to have some 
inner strength, but also some gentleness. You have to have a soft place to land within yourself. It's not just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or grit or toughness, but it's also kindness and love and compassion for yourself. And whether it was teachers, parents, uncles, aunts, that just wasn't messaging that I was getting. So I had some pretty difficult uh, things happen in my life in my young adolescence. And it really threw me for a loop. And I experienced quite a long spell of anxiety and depression, and all the dark avenues that those two conditions can take you down. Without the support of my family, of my wife in particular, being like a constant mirror to myself, like, hey, you know, you're you're more okay than you think. I don't know if I would be sitting here. And even with all of that support that like got me here by like a thread, it was still pretty dicey. And I feel like if I had had the 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 presence of mind to be there for myself much earlier on, I would have had an easier go of it. And what I've come to realize in my teaching, in my life, is that self-love, self-compassion, self-acceptance, these are the fundamental foundations of what it means to have a happy life. And that's what I want to share and to offer with my time here. This, this might be just personal therapy time, but I mean, that's the hardest thing, right? I mean, you can, yeah. you can love your kids like you never thought possible, your spouse, your family. It's so yeah. easy to pour love on other people, but then you look in the mirror yeah. and you see something yeah. else. What, what is that? Why do we struggle so much to give ourselves the same grace that we give everyone around us? Yeah, it's this really unpleasant distortion of our own experience that Tara Brock calls the trance of unworthiness, and we get lost in that trance. And I think that there are a few sort of intersecting reasons for that. One of them has to do with our evolutionary makeup, the, the negativity bias that comes from our supreme problem solving that's that's allowed us to be at the top of the food chain you know when when we otherwise you know shouldn't be <laughs> but we are such effective problem solvers and it's because we are always looking for the problems and that is something that came from our ancient ancestors the negatives are still what's are very stimulating to us. So if somebody says something crazy on Twitter, that's where we're going to flock to. If some mm -hmm. if there's a car accident on the road, we're going to slow down and look. We're going to pay m the most attention to the negative news story, etc. And it's not because we are in love with the negative, but it's because our problem solving mechanism kicks in so that I can preserve my existence. As we've grown as a society, that mechanism is still running on high, but we've slowed down a bit. So it, it, it turns on us a bit and we start to ask like, well, what, what's wrong with me? What can I say better? What can I do better? How can I be better? If we're not careful, that inner inventory becomes an inner critic and then the inner critic becomes the inner voice and that inner voice gets calcified into belief. Compounding this scenario is the world outside of us also challenging our ability to be loving towards ourselves? We might have had parents who prized our achievements more than just our basic humanity, you know, that showed us affection when we achieved and not just for affection's sake. We might have had 
teachers, coaches, siblings, friends who gave us the same sort of messaging. We also have social media these days, advertising, et cetera, that's purposefully designed to make us feel anxious so that we click the next thing, buy the next thing, stay engaged with, uh, with the app. So we've got this evolutionary heritage of searching for the negative in all scenarios. And we've got the social miseducation <laughs> that, you know, that, that, that leads us away from our own hearts. And what we're left with is this feeling of, 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 of pervasive inadequacy that can feel like it's innate. But the truth is, none of this has to be the whole story. None of this has to be fundamental to who we are. We can transform the way that we relate to ourselves. And going back to what you said, we know how to pour love. So we're not restricted in that ability. An exercise that I love to do with, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm off on a tangent here, but an it's exercise great. that I love to do with people is to take a moment and just check in with yourself. How are you doing mentally? How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing physically? So a little bit of mindfulness practice, just being aware of your mind, body, and emotional state. And then based on how you're feeling in the present moment, if your best friend or a loved one was feeling exactly how you're feeling right now, what would you say to them? Whether you're feeling elated or whether you're feeling terrible, what would you say to somebody that you love who was feeling the same way? automatically these words of comfort, compassion, these words of care, love, I'm here for you, I love you, I'm sorry, they all arise in us. And we know what we would say to somebody else. And so, okay, you've got that skill, just apply it to yourself. Bring those same words into your own heart. Speak to yourself in the same way you'd speak to a friend or a loved one. Those lessons, your own experience, and I hope I'm not too big of an assumption here, your experience as a parent, I, I believe <laughs> drove you to create this book to help young people not reboot the programming, but, but maybe carve out better programming from the beginning so they're not in their 30s and 40s and going, oh my God, why have I hated myself my entire life? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so tell exactly. us about the book and, and how it's helpful for young people. Yeah. Well, this book is overtly for young people, covertly for all people. <laughs> and um, I, just like you said, it's a way that I think I want to kind of redirect the tendency that we have to slowly but surely be increasingly unkind to ourselves and to just have these messages that are in the book be uh, an alternate to that sort of mental trend not only for the messaging to be something that is impactful but then the activities that are in the book that parents can do with their kids or that educators can do with young people or caretakers can do with young people so that it's a collective experience of rewiring <laughs> a collective experience of of practicing self-love and self-compassion i want self-compassion self-love self-care self-acceptance to be the default to be something that is not a revelation for people in my adult life when i talk about self-compassion or self-love to other adults it really is like a light bulb goes off like oh my god i haven't been doing this ever so if we can make this the default way that kids relate to themselves, even if it doesn't look like it's showing up for them immediately, because having the long view as a parent of a six-year-old and a 20-year-old and two points in between nine and 17-year-olds, 
I've seen my 20 year old go through all, all those stages, go through the pain of adolescence, come out as a young adult and have a lot of these lessons that her mom and I tried to impart show up for her when we were sure that they weren't showing up for her when we were like, well, I guess, you know, we tried our best. And then all of a sudden one day she's she's going on retreats on her own, practicing meditation on her own. And just, and not only those external things, but she's catching herself when she can feel herself falling. She's taking active care of her own heart, her mind, her body. So even if you don't think that these kind of messages are, are having an impact, you're putting them in the bank and they will make those withdrawals when it's time. As the, as the father of a 11 and seven year old man, I hope you're right. Cause (laughs) I'm telling you, I was, I, I was just like, I guess we just, we did our best, you know, Hey, fingers crossed. But then all of a sudden you saw this adult who was, way more healthy mentally than, uh, than, than we expected. Her I, to be. Yeah. I say all the time, my seven-year-old has learned more about social emotional intelligence than I have figured out in my 45 years on this planet. It's incredible what, what they're For capable sure. of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they might still throw, so it doesn't mean that you, they won't throw tantrums. It doesn't mean they won't say hurtful things. It doesn't mean that they won't think unkind things about themselves, but there's a counter, but, if, if there's nothing there, if there's no counter to self-hatred, then that becomes the belief. Yeah. But if, if an unkind thought is there, but there's an alternative, then there's some balance. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I, uh, I know we just have a couple minutes left. I wanted to bring it back to the book for just a minute because the artwork, I mean, the content itself is, is very powerful. The artwork is stunning. It is such a beautiful yeah. book. And I know this is an audio podcast, but can you try and give us a picture of, uh, of what we find when we open the pages? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the big shout out to Indubisi Okoye, who provided the illustrations for this book. I really feel like our work together was a match made in heaven here. The illustrations to me feel like what you would see when you close your eyes and listen to the words, the colors that arise, the shapes that arise. There is a dreamlike and almost psychedelic kind of quality to the artwork. And it, it, it really soars and takes you on this wonderful journey. So yeah, I can't wait for your listeners to, to take a look because I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it in front of me and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy and so, so impressed with, uh, with how it all came out. And then finally, uh, as a hip hop artist, uh, this is a very artistic yeah. and beautiful book. Is there any plan to, to do a, take it to another level as some sort of musical collaboration with the work that's already existing? Yes, definitely. I wanted to put the book out and allow people to hear the words of the book in their own voice, whether it's their voice voice or their inner voice, and, and to give them some time to to create that relationship with the book. And so I will be releasing a companion album to accompany the book, and it'll be a lot of the verses here will be read as hip-hop verses. And I'll also, I, I'm, I'm planning on doing a combination where the verses are read in a more meditative zone and then they're read in a more hip hop zone. So 
yeah, it should be pretty cool. That's amazing. This is such a thrill to get to talk to you uh, and to have a two-way conversation with you and not just a one-way conversation. <laughs> this has been a big deal for me. So I'm very excited for this. Thank you for your time. Where can we learn Absolutely. more about you, the app, the book, and all of the things that you have going on? For sure, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful conversation. And you can find out more about me via my website. Just go to bornimusic.com. That's B-O-R-N, the letter I, music.com. On social media, you can find me at Born I Music pretty much across the board. That's at B-O-R-N, the letter I, music. The book, Love Your Amazing Self, is available everywhere books are sold. I always want to encourage people to support their local bookstore. But if you don't have a local bookstore, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. etc., they're all carrying the book online and in person. So very happy about that. I'm also on the Balance Meditation app, so you can go to the App Store, look up Balance, and you can catch Leah and I talking about all things meditation and wellness on the Well Balanced podcast. So a bunch of different ways to catch up. <laughs> and we'll have all those links uh, on the show notes for this episode. Any final thoughts Thanks you want to so leave our, our audience with? Just that loving kindness towards yourself, self-kindness, self-compassion. These are the building blocks for a happy life. It's never too late to practice kindness towards yourself. And it's never too early to encourage it in young people. So please do follow the prompt of the title of this book and love your amazing self. Powerful stuff, man. Thank you seriously so much for your time and for this opportunity. It really means a lot. And uh, I'm so glad we connected. Me too. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Our thanks to Ofosu Jones Quarty. He's the author of Love Your Amazing Self. You can find links to him and his work in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. This is such a good follow up to our last episode and the importance of self compassion. Mm -hmm. I just want to reiterate to everyone and to you, Jeremy, because I know you struggle with it as much as I do, being compassionate to yourself. Like it really, really is important. This isn't something you sweep under the rug. This is something you actually need to pay attention to. And I think it's so valuable to practice it on yourself because if you can be compassionate with yourself, it just makes it so much easier to be even more compassionate with others. I think by default, it's easier for all of us to be compassionate towards others, our kids, the people that do us wrong for whatever reason. We can make that space, but we just beat the shit out of ourselves all day long in many cases. And so I think if we can find that space to forgive ourselves, to, to give ourselves a little bit of grace, it just amplifies what we're able to do for others in the real world. And one of the things that I loved about that interview and, and about Ofosu's experience is that he's a meditation teacher. Like he's the voice of an app that is helping people learn how to do this. He had a great upbringing, family loved him, taught him all about compassion and loving others. Despite that, he still lacked the ability to have compassion for himself and had to seek that out and had to do that work for himself. So it's just such a great reminder that no matter what background you have, no matter what struggles you're facing, nobody's flawless. Nobody's got all of this stuff figured out. And so, again, it's just another opportunity to give yourself a break and, and accept that you're going to have shortcomings. You're going to fall down. You're going to fail. But give yourself a break. Dust yourself off and try and do better again tomorrow. I know I'm not flawless and, and my, my daughter and, and my own actions pointed out to me every single day. <laughs> I do the best I can though. But you know, at this point in my life, I have learned to just say, you know what? I screwed up and you know what? I won't make that same mistake again, but I, I'm, I'm pretty easy on myself. 
now because I've said this a hundred times on our show, on other shows. When I think about talking negatively to myself, I ask myself, would I talk that way to my daughter? Mm -hmm. Would I talk that way to somebody I love? And the answer is always no. Like mm -hmm. I would never call somebody a fucking moron to their face. <laughs> well, maybe a couple of not people. A, but not out loud. Not out loud anyway. <laughs> maybe a couple of people. But generally speaking, I wouldn't do it to somebody I love. And I shouldn't be doing it to myself. So if it's something that I wouldn't say to somebody I love, I shouldn't say it to myself. And then I reframe it. What would I say to that person mm -hmm. if they did the exact same thing that I did that I'm beating myself up over? Yeah. And then I'm going to say that to myself. And speaking of daughters, this is work that I'm doing. And, and, you know, just talking about that, using myself as training ground, I'm in particular trying to do the work on myself so that I can turn that around and be a better dad for my kids, try and teach them the same lesson to give yourself a break, to, to have compassion for yourself, to accept that you're going to have flaws and things are going to go wrong and just to be okay and, and move forward. Because I just know that had I learned this earlier, had I learned this before my 30s and, you know, really understanding it deeply in my 40s, my life would have been so much less full of struggle and pain and hardship. And so if my kids at now 7, 11 years old are hearing this and seeing this from me, it's just going to make it that much easier for them and the future generations to be kind to themselves and not give that, that angry, powerful voice so much space in their heads. Yeah, and one other point that you just said is that person you used to be, right? Mm -hmm. So I am very compassionate with my current self, with my with who I am today when I'm making mistakes. I didn't always have that compassion for prior me. So 10, 15, 20 years ago me, I would talk really negatively about that guy, mm -hmm. but talk really positively about the current me. Mm -hmm. So just a word of warning, like that's still negative self-talk. Yeah. That's still not being compassionate with yourself. So be compassionate with who you are today and who you were as a child when you were developing all these patterns and all this stuff and all that crap was going on. Like you as a whole person, be compassionate with every point in your life. I think that makes a big difference for me. And I, and I think that it will pay dividends in the future when you have changed the narrative of how you talked to that younger version of yourself to how you're talking to yourself now. I think that just propels forward into better self-talk later in the future. All right, well, we'll take an even closer look at mindfulness and self-compassion in our next newsletter that's coming out soon. We'd love to share it with you. It also offers exclusive deals on things we use to make our own lives a little happier and healthier. You can get it by signing up now at thefitmess.com, and that's where we will be back in just a few days with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for listening. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.